let, let me just talk to you a little bit. You've heard uh, Sister Vanessa reading um, the um, bulletin article, Because I Love God. Because I love God, I will order my conduct. You know, I think she read that well. You know, because I love God, I will do this and that. Now, I am going to speak now from this subject, because I love God, but I have purposely left out a lot of the things that she said because I didn't want it to be, as it were, redundant uh, to, to you. I, I didn't want you to say, well, I just heard that. She read it better than he spoke, spoke it, <laughs> you know. But anyway, I, so, but I want to talk to you about that because I think because we love God, it should inform our, all of our conduct. It should, because we love God. Uh, when I travel uh, around the world, I don't watch TV. I don't watch television. It is, it, let me say, I, I'm going to say I don't. It may be that I might turn it on for a few minutes to see a weather report or something, but generally I don't even do that. I do not watch TV because I don't want to be in my room and something crazy comes up and my wife just happens to ask, well, what, what happened on the trip? Did you uh, watch TV? Did, uh, or what, what, was, what was it like? I don't want to be ashamed of that. So I don't even want to see it accidentally, any crazy stuff. So I know that my wife would not be happy, so I don't do it. There are a lot of situations when I'm traveling. Uh, I don't travel alone. We, we travel in pairs, but we don't do crazy stuff. We're not out there uh, just exercising our rights to do stupid stuff. But we are careful because, because even when your, your wife is not there, she's there. You know what I'm saying? And, and you want to conduct yourself like you would in her presence. That's how we as people of God should be toward Jesus because just because Jesus is not here bodily, we ought not just do whatever like he doesn't know, you know, what we're doing. So I want us to have the attitude that because we love God, we will do thus and so. Uh, we will do such and such. Because I love God, I will comport myself better. I, I will live a sacrificial life because I love God. I will not live life for myself. I will live it for him. I am willing to lay down my life also for others because I love God. The Bible tells us that you and I do not have to somehow work up this kind of love. That's what is so amazing about God. He is so amazingly generous, so astoundingly generous that he has poured out something. The Bible says he has poured out in our hearts uh, the, his own love by the Holy Spirit. So he gifted us with the Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, came into our heart, he brought the love of God. And so we can say the love of God, love that God has, it's not appropriate or proper. It's the love that God is. What the thing is that you and I have love, but God is love. There's a big difference. That means from head to toe, so to speak, God is love. You know, so If you could span the universe, God is love. On the other side of the universe, now that boggles my mind, that God... Uh, he um, fills this universe, and he transcends the universe. So, so outside the universe, there's God. I mean, that, that's just mind-blowing. And all of that is just love, 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 love. And God is coming to our Father God. He's our Father. He is bringing us to a day when he is going to be uh, fully expressed throughout the earth and throughout the universe without any uh, hint of sin without any hint of sin. He's amazing God. So I, I want you to know that uh, my, as my, my parents used to say, 
and the old folks. I, w- I would to God that you had uh, uh, grown up in church, maybe some of you have not, where there were old folks. You, you, you've got, you know, sometimes when you're young, you just want to, oh, those old people, those old people. You know, that's how we are sometimes, right? Old people, be careful because they're, they're old. You know, <laughs> come on, they talk about us. They do. You know, I remember uh, during my wife's women's conference, uh, Sister Lindsay was here uh, speaking, and I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I was taking pictures because of all, my wife had said, you ought to come out and see all the people. So I came out, I, was, I got so mesmerized or something, I was just taking pictures and walked right <laughs> behind her, taking pictures while she was talking. And then I, oh, Lord, what did I do? And so I was telling my granddaughter, Gianna, my oldest granddaughter, oldest grandchild. I said, gee, you know what I was doing? I said, I don't know what happened. She said, I know, Pop. Oh, what, what happened, gee? She said, you're old. <laughs> That's what happened. Old people do funny things. But, but, but the old people... The old people understood things that we were yet to experience, and they knew God in a way that we didn't. So I want the older people here, not old people, but the older people here to begin to talk to the children and share some things of God with them. They need to hear those things. Yeah, because the older people knew things that they could not have learned from man. They had to learn them from the Holy Spirit. And it is an amazing thing how they, would have, had, all, they had all these sayings, you know, like it's going to pay off after a while. Uh, don't worry about what's going on. Uh, their payday is coming after a while. And so, so it was going to come later. It said, wait, 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 baby. You haven't received all that God has for you, but your payday is coming after a while. And I want the people of God to know that this is not our payday. What's going on is not our payday. Everybody arguing over these little plots of ground, that's not our inheritance. We inherit the whole earth and beyond the whole earth. We inherit the universe. That's not some talk, a talk from some old preacher. That's the truth of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Paul tells us that God desires that we comport ourselves in a certain way, and it is antithetical or the polar opposite to the world. You are not to pattern yourself after the world. You and I, I find so many Christians, I, I, I have a heart, heartbreak a lot. And I mean, God has made me that way. Don't feel sorry for me. Pray for me, but don't feel sorry for me. Don't feel sorry for him. You know, but, but God has given me a heart that breaks and it breaks for the people of God. I, I break for the people of God because we don't live like the people we are. Paul is telling us to live like the people we are in Romans chapter 12, uh, verses, let's just do verses 1 and 2 or maybe verse 3. I have 21 of them down here for you. Paul says here, he, reads, he, he writes, I beseech you, brethren, uh, I'm sorry, I beseech you therefore, brethren, he is talking about how good God has been. He has written about it in, in chapter, chapters uh, uh, 9, 10, and 11. And he's telling us how good God has been to us. And he says, now, I beseech you, therefore, on the, uh, as a result of what God has done for you, by the mercies of God, by the compassion of God the Father, that you... Now, because God has been so generous, because God has been so good to you, even if, you, if somebody could say, you don't know what I've been through and, and give the greatest sob story any of us has ever heard, still, you've got breath in your lungs. God has been good to you. Yeah, yeah. 
Come on, I, come on. I, I'm, I'm straight up serious here. God has been good to you. you don't tell me about how you suffered. God has been good to you. We've, we've all suffered something. We say life happens to all of us. But God has been good to you. You are here. You're still living in a, in a reasonably good country. You know, we're going crazy every day, worse. Now, I tell you that because I, I don't want you to forget it. Because the, the, the word the, word, the devil is, he wants to take all the truth out of you before it, it starts to germinate. Paul says here, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What an a f- almost frightening statement if you didn't know God. You mean to tell me that I get to be a sacrifice every day? And I'm supposed to be rejoicing every day because I get to be a sacrifice? Absolutely. Absolutely. He says, because of what God has done for you, then, it, then you should present your bodies, all the church people, as a living sacrifice. That means that, that you're, every day you don't live for yourself, you live for God. That's what that means. You live for God. Don't live for yourself. That's wrong. That's the devil's way. You want to live for God. Jesus lived 33, 33 and a half years for the Father. He lived his entire life for the will of another. And he says, you and I are to follow in his footsteps. We are to live our lives for God. Now, the amazing thing is sometimes we feel like we've been shortchanged. Right? We, we're living our life for God. That's shortchanged. I want this. I want that. But in living your life for God, you have now been given God to live in you. So God has, has now been, has given himself to you through Jesus Christ. And now when Jesus arrived at the throne of God, he told his disciples, he said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. So then when Jesus bodily rose, went to heaven, was invited to God's right hand, sat down on the throne of God, and he says to the Holy Spirit, go minister to my people. And so when the Holy Spirit came, God then shared abroad in our hearts uh, his love and in the love of Jesus Christ. So so Jesus Christ living in you uh, now via the Holy Spirit argues for the divinity of Christ. So that means that Christ is who he says he is. And he says, now those of us who live sacrificially have been given the greatest gift that could ever be given someone. So you have been given the gift of Jesus Christ and now you're, how can you be shortchanged when you have Christ in you? I mean, uh, the scripture is so amazing. He says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? Christ in you, he has delivered you now from the power of darkness. So I'm living a sacrificial life, but I'm living in the light because darkness has no authority over me. Now, this is big stuff. So why should I think I'm shortchanged? Even though I'm suffering, I'm not shortchanged because I get to suffer for his sake. Oh, what a blessing. What a blessing. What a blessing to suffer for the one who saved you for, so that his name would be spread abroad till his name covers the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. What an amazing blessing. So Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Wow, he says, present your bodies holy, separated to God. So that means that you're, you're not your own. You don't belong to yourself. 
You know, you, oh, you say, but I want to belong to myself. Well, that means you don't belong to God. And that means that you're a terminal. You're a terminal then. But no, don't live for yourself. Well, I just want to have some fun. Whoa, there are a lot of people in hell wish they didn't have fun. Oh, really, straight up. I'm just saying to believers, let's stop being as we often are. Holy, set apart, acceptable to God. So that means when we say acceptable to God, the imagery is that of the Old Testament when God said to his people to bring an offering, a blood offering in most cases, and bring an offering of your flock and bring a sheep or a goat or whatever you're bringing to offer to God. Bring the best. Don't bring something infirmed or something you didn't want. Bring the very best to God. And that's what he's saying to you. Bring the best to God. Bring what, what you have is, is your, that is your very best, your own life. But not just any kind of raggedy old life where you go to church, but you still do everything you want to do. I was so shocked one time. Somebody came to, came to church, was coming to church regularly, 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 regularly. And then I was so pained that they, after church, they went to smoke pot. I was so shocked at that. I was so shocked. I've been so shocked that people uh, come to church and worship, worship, but fight with their husband or wife on the way home. You know, I, I'm just shocked that people come to church and then go cohabitate with their girlfriend or their boyfriend. I'm saying, that's, you say, well, I went to church, I presented. No, you presented something really dirty and maimed and something not acceptable to God. God's not going to accept that. He says, this is your reasonable service. And what he's saying to us is that it, after all the goodness of God, that he's shown us in these previous chapters, all the goodness of God, uh, the goodness of God that's been lavishly poured out on you and for, and for you and on your behalf. How God chose you and God did all these wonderful things for you. You're a chosen person of God. He says, it just makes good sense. <laughs> it's reasonable. That's just a logical thing you ought to do. And God gave you his son. And then he tells us, Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world. Now, that, that's where most Christians really mess up. Now, I, I know it got really quiet in here when I e enunciated a few things a minute ago. But I noticed that, by the way. But the Scripture says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So he says is, do not let the world shape you. I find, and I know I talk about this a lot, I'm going to tell you, because I know something's coming. And God, the Lord has been preparing me for a number of years, and you as well, but for a number of years for the something that's coming. The something that's coming that we've not seen. The harsh times, the perilous times. These are perilous, but they'll be more perilous than this, more harsh than this. And, and so the Lord has been preparing us. He's been preparing us uh, and preparing me for this time. He says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't let the world make you like it is. Wow. It, it, the mo the, one of the most astounding things as a pastor that I see is that the world is doing that. 
Christians are folding to the world, or people who go to church are folding. They are acting just like the world. Oh, you know, I remember when I was a little boy, if, if one of the brothers or sisters, it could have been me, I'm not putting it on the others, would say, you're lying, we would go, oh, oh. Reminds me of, of, of Uriah, right? Yeah, when I was preaching one time. The, uh, the, the Roots of Israel came to the church, Uriah, a little boy. And so one day I used this S word. I said something about that was so stupid. And he said, oh, dad, mom. He used the S word. But we were saying, we were shocked that somebody would say, you're a lying. Oh, no, you couldn't say that. That was like a damnable thing to say. You're lying. You don't have, never say that to your brother. You're lying because it's like condemning him to hell. But, but today we're conformed to all kinds of things. If the world wants to get nasty, we get nasty too. We show them, hey, buddy, you don't know who I am. They really don't. Because we are being conformed to the world in our daily conduct. And this is a time of resetting and revealing. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, what God wanted to reveal is his sons. He wanted to reveal the sons of God. But what we're seeing is that the revealing is also an unintended, in my view, expose. Exposing. Exposing. Wow. So Paul is admonishing the church. You would think he wouldn't have to do that. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he says, you can be a changed person, but it's going to ha your mind is going to have to be re renewed. When I first met uh, Brother Stan a number of years ago, we had a lot of conversations. And I, I was made a good listener by my dad. Y'all know my story, right? I was made to be a good listener by dad. I didn't know I was a good listener because dad didn't tell his children things four and five and six times. He would tell you one time. And, 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 and if you didn't have a good memory, you needed to pray right away for one. Because he didn't put up with that silliness. And, and so I learned to be a good listener without realizing I was a good listener. And uh, I remember when Brother Stan, uh, we were talking about one, uh, one time about salvation. And we were just, I mean, we were just young men talking about God. We just met and we were just talking about the Lord and what, who, what God was going to do in the days to come and how he was going to involve us. And we knew by, by, by the pro prophetic word these things. And I remember we, uh, we were talking one day about salvation. He said, yeah. He said, you know. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm making, mimicking him. I don't mean to do that. Uh, but maybe I did mean to do that. I, I'm just, I better be, be, I better be free before Jesus is up here. But, but what he said, I said, yeah, you know, you know, we get this new heart. He said, yeah, but the thing about it is that we, we come to God and he gives us a new heart, but we have the same old head. And, 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 and I thought, Wow. That's so correct. So salvation comes instantaneously to my heart, right? It comes instantaneously to my heart. He comes. It comes instantaneously. But my, my mind is a progressive salvation. I have been saved, but I'm being saved. And God is uh, causing us, allowing us to, uh, to see the process played out, being saved. And he says here that 
that the transformation comes by the renewing of the mind. So my practical walk in God comes by the renewing of my mind. That means I have to hear the Word of God. I cannot have a yes but attitude when I sit and listen to the Word of God. I must trust the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit guard your heart while you guard your heart, and he will keep wrong things out of your heart if your heart is properly disposed toward God. Amen, somebody. Amen, someone. And so what happens is, then he says, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Paul ends the verse 2, he says, so you may prove, so you may prove by testing, so you may test. And this is what happens, is that, is that you, are, you are set apart here, you're different here, and now you're being sanctified here. Wow. So my thinking now is sanctified, and it's coming into perfect alignment with my heart. That's amazing. It's coming into perfect alignment with my heart, that new heart that God gave me. And now my thinking, somebody might say, well, you can't trust what you think. You can't if you're unregenerate. But, but when you are being saved and God, that's, this transformational process has taken place, the metamorphosis has taken place, you're no longer a worm, as it were, crawling on a limb, but now you are like a butterfly. You have been made into something different. That's what God is after here for us. He's not here that we would be just like the world except we go to church. By the renewing of your mind. Hallelujah. There ought to be a change. Remember that song we used to sing, Oh, what a change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. Oh, what a change. If you are sitting here and you're not changers, mean that you've ever been. You still cuss like you used to. You still demean people like you used to. There's no change. Wow. So what he says here is that your sacred service to God is to give him your body every day. You live to die, and you die to live. Wake up in the morning, another day of death, but that you might glorify God. Because when the world sees you, they go, something's different about that person, that man, that woman, that boy, that girl. Something's different because you can't live like that because they know they can't. Wow. So you and I are going to so live that we know what is good. We know what is acceptable. And we know what the perfect will of God is. That's how it works. And listen, you can have it. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to take my seat and come back and offer salvation. But let me say, if you say, Pastor Don, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I try, but I, I fail. I keep trying, but I fall on my face. Look, I have too. <laughs> and look, just you know, if you were to stand up, look around. Everybody in here has fallen on his or her face. There's not a soul in here that can say, not me, Pastor. No one. We've all failed. We just, we think somebody else's failure is worse than our failure. They're all failure. But when Jesus comes, all the failure seems to just recede little by little by little. And someday you might wake up and you go, well, I like myself now. That's how that works. I'm going to come back. I want you to think about it. I'm going to ask you to give yourself to Jesus after after just a minute, Brother James.